Hey characters, Quinn here with a quick note. Since recording this episode, the Twilight Domain Cleric has been published, and you can find more information about that in Tasha's Culture of Everything. And this is hopefully the last note we'll have to add about Tasha's Culture of Everything. We hope you enjoy the show! I'm Quinn. And I'm Alex. And we're A Couple couple of Characters. characters. We discuss topics related to creating characters for role-playing games. And today, we have Harper Hazelis, one of the hosts of the Chaotic Creations podcast. Hello, Harper. Hi, Alex. Hi, Quinn. Hi. How are you? I am doing pretty awesome today, actually. That's great. Yeah, that is good, you know. Love (laughs) to hear that. As opposed to the alternative. (laughs) I am excited for what we're going to do today. As are we. So we thought it would be a lot of fun to create a character with you since you also have a character creation podcast. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your show? Uh, sure, I would love to. My name is Harper. I've been uh, a player and a dungeon master for about a decade now. Uh, so I really love uh, Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop role playing in general. And... A couple of months ago, one of my close friends and a member of my Dungeons & Dragons home group, uh, Darby and I decided that we like character creation so much we would start a podcast about it, and we call it Chaotic Creations. And every week we come in and we give each other a silly or random prompt for a Dungeons & Dragons character, and our challenge is to create a playable character that has a fully fleshed out backstory. Yep, that's a lot like uh, how our show started, where I would, you know, call Quinn on the phone and tell her about my crazy ideas for characters, and then at some point we decided we'll do a podcast about them. I mean, if you already love something so much, it only becomes second nature to want to share it with the world. True. Exactly. But before we dive into character creation, we have a couple of questions for you. But first, it's time for Random Encounter! This is a fairly new segment where we briefly talk about characters we've encountered outside of RPGs, like in TV, movies, books, etc. Harper, do you have any characters you'd like to talk about? Yes, okay. Um, My partner and I just recently started watching White Collar. Um, It's an FBI crime drama tv show it's my fifth or sixth time watching through the series and i'm introducing him to it for the first time and i am just falling in love with the character of neil caffrey all over again he's a schmoozy white collar criminal art thief forger and i just love him so much (laughs) yeah that sounds like fun i have not watched that show myself but neither have i i always enjoy good you know criminal that is someone that you maybe love to hate or just love (laughs) if you like uh heist stories and you like watching a criminal play on the side of the law but in their own gray area then it's a really fun show sounds good i always have a hard time making quinn watch tv shows because she'll usually not watch them unless i make her watch them 
<laughs> so that's just true of any tv shows or movies like if you want me to watch it just put it on in front of me and then get me hooked <laughs> if the tv show started airing in the last decade there's a very good chance i've never watched it <laughs> yeah that's fair <laughs> yeah there is a an alarming amount of shows out there that's like i just don't have time to watch them all but there's so many that sound good <laughs> So my character that I brought this week was Selena Kyle, who is also known as Catwoman. And this is because I recently read the book called Catwoman, and then it's like subtitle is Soul Stealer by Sarah J. Moss. And I really hadn't known a ton about Catwoman before. You know, I saw The Dark Knight Rises with Anne Hathaway being Catwoman, but in this book it really gives her a flushed out backstory and like kind of shows why she became Catwoman and how so I thought that was a really interesting read and you know a cool character that has been around on like the outskirts of my um you know my view for a while but I haven't really ever dove into the character until recently and then I have really been enjoying Cinder from the Lunar Chronicles, just read that first book um, by Marissa Meyer, and I'm reading the second one right now. But Cinder is a retelling of Cinderella in like a futuristic setting on Earth, which is cool. And um, she's a cyborg, that's a really good mechanic. And I also like that she has prostheses because she, um, like, in her childhood, she was in a bad accident and lost her. Um, hand and her foot so she has um, prosthetic hand and foot which I think is it's really cool to see a protagonist like that and it's also I think in that story you know the um, the foot is like kind of playing the role of the glass slipper from the normal Cinderella story right yes it is yeah which is very amusing and also pretty cool that they tied in like the prostheses to more than just like oh, she has prosthetics because she was in this accident, but then also it's part of the story now. Yeah. That's super cool. Does she just lose her foot at some point? Um, I think someone... She, she does lose it at the very end. Yeah. Mm, I see. Yeah. Like, I mean, the prosthetic foot at the very end. Gotcha. I mean, someone gives it back to her at some point. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> but yeah, she's like hopping around a bit at the end. Yes. All right, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, go ahead, Quinn. I was going to lead into the questions. So yeah, you do something it. To say. Okay. Do it. Our first question is, what is your favorite character you have ever played and why? Well, I would say the favorite, my favorite character that I have ever played is the character that I am currently playing in my home game. She is probably the character that I have done the most work on her backstory, and that is one of the reasons that I love her so much. Um, her name is Ellie, and she is a light domain cleric. Nice. Uh, and she worships Paylor. And my DM, Tristan, and I did a lot of work on the background of the church and how active the gods are in the homebrew setting for our campaign. That's really cool. So we've actually made it where true clerics are very rare. Okay. So there are lots of people who serve the gods. And there are some paladins around who make holy oaths, but a mm -hmm. very small number of people are chosen to be true clerics of a god. And Ellie is one of those few chosen people, and she really doesn't understand why she's been chosen yet. And she's 
kind of discovering that as the story goes along. Oh, that's cool. That sounds like fun. It is a lot of fun. She is, I would say, the sane center of our party because our party otherwise is a bundle of chaotic energy. But <laughs> uh, it's I see my character's role as the party is to keep everybody grounded and definitely keep them on the good leaning side of things as opposed <laughs> to just being bundles of chaos walking around the countryside. <laughs> yes. Yes, we're not murder hobos. We have direction because Ellie's here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah, and I also decided that I wanted to have a joint backstory with another player at the table. So uh, my best friend Sarah and I, we decided that we wanted to play sisters, but we couldn't agree on a race that we wanted to play. Mm -hmm. So what we ended up doing was saying, okay, well my character Ellie is going to be the daughter of a ducal house and Sarah's character Imsel is going to be a ward of the house and so we were brought up together as sisters kind of like a Theon okay. Greyjoy and the Stark situation yeah yeah so we're we're brought up together and we're as close as sisters but we don't have to share a race together yeah that's cool we're, that's we're good... big fans of joint backstories and things like that mm -hmm. yeah that's a good workaround as well for like, oh, you know, we still can be the characters we want to be, but we're still joining our backstories in this way. Exactly, yeah. And it was fun because we got to kind of figure out our motivations together because we decided to leave home on an adventure together. And having someone else to play off in terms of motivation and someone else to look at when you're not sure what your character would do so you can look at this person in game and say, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. and that person has a vested interest and knowledge of your character it's a little helpful in the role playing as well yeah yeah okay so our last question before we get into this character is um so on our show we also like to highlight kind of characters we have had thoughts about but haven't ever played so is there a character that you haven't had the chance to play that you would really like to play someday uh, very much so, yes. I always have at least one character in my back pocket in case something happens to my character in-game. Mm -hmm. That's always uh, good to have. You never know when, <laughs> you know, this. all of a sudden your character gets eaten by a bag of folding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the character that I've had on deck for the past six months or so, and it's looking like my character isn't going to snuff it anytime soon, so I'm probably not going to get to play this character. Mm -hmm. um, um, knock on wood. <laughs> knock on wood. Yeah, I, I love my, I love Elliot. I don't want her dying on me. Um, but I have an Ergonasi or Genasi bard named Breeze. Mm -hmm. Great name. That's pretty good. And I really want to play her. Her outlook on life is so interesting. I mean, she's very much. I really leaned into as many. Uh, air puns as I could think of. So she goes wherever the wind takes her. Yep. <laughs> uh, and she just likes to have an easy breezy approach to life. Yes. And <laughs> I am I would really love to play her at some point also because I've never had the chance to play a bard. Mm -hmm. uh, but we'll see if that ever happens. Bards are a lot of fun to play. I played one over a summer for like, you know, eight to ten weeks or something that was all we had time for. But it was a lot of fun to, you know, have a lot of support things. And, like, my character's not really ever hurting anyone, but he is helping my the party hurt people. And so you still, like, 
you know, have fun in combat, but then outside combat, you can really play a big role of like, I, my, oh, my persuasion's like plus nine and we're level five. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So I think without any more further ado, let's get into this character. So in the spirit of your show's title, we thought we'd do something a little chaotic today. Um, so what we've done is each secretly picked one aspect of the character. I chose a background, Alex chose a race, and Harper chose a class. Alex, what race is our character today? We are going to be making a bugbear. Nice. Oh, <laughs> very interesting. Okay. So that is from Volo's Guide to Monsters, if you are playing along at home. <laughs> All right, right, Harper, what's our class? Um, in the spirit of my favorite character, I elected for cleric and i did pick a domain nice uh, which is the twilight domain where All is right. that uh it is ua so okay it's cool still technically in playtest mode mm-hmm. sounds good so what is the twilight uh domain kind of about do you want to give a quick overview sure yeah twilight domain is about that uh transitional space in between light and darkness uh, and between safety and the unknown. So clerics who worship a god and are in the Twilight Domain tend to be about travel, about nighttime, about kind of those gray areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also tend to be protective forces in the world. Yeah, and they probably encourage change, you know, with the transition between light and dark and everything seems like they would encourage like changing the world mm-hmm. all right and this is also funny because i have chosen the faceless background which um is from Baldur's gate descent into awareness which their whole thing if you're faceless is that you aren't able to for whatever reason choose the path that you want in the open so you adopt a disguise or a persona as you adventure. Oh, this is going to be so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, and then a lot of these types of characters can take on like a larger than life personality. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have a bugbear twilight domain cleric that has the faceless background. Yes. And with that, you get deception and intimidation, a disguise kit, and a language of your choice. All right. So on Chaotic Creations, Harper, you and Darby typically make characters go into level four. So we thought that to stick with the theme of your show a little bit, we would just make our character up to level four today. So let's talk about our backstory, or if you guys want to go into the mechanics, I don't care which way we start. Maybe let's roll some stats first. That probably will help. Stats sound good. Do we each want to roll two of the stats? That sounds fine. Sounds great. And we usually just go in order so that your character might not be quite optimized. And then if people at home want to roll their own stats or like reorder, you know, that's fine. I love the spirit of letting the dice decide things when it comes (laughs) to TTRPG. So what two do you want to roll? Uh, Strength and dex or do you want to just... uh, you know, whatever ones you want to roll, we'll let you choose, Harper. Um, tell you what, I'll round us out. I'll do wisdom and charisma. Okay. Okay. I'll do strength and dex. Got a nine in strength, 16 in dex. 
So 16 in con. I guess you had the most important with the wisdom. That's true. 16 in intelligence. 16 intelligence. Wow. <laughs> wow. This, this is a pretty stacked bugbear. <laughs> so far, we'll see how it finishes. Weakest bugbear, though. <laughs> see how we do for wisdom. Okay, a 14 in wisdom. All right. Not a terrible place to start. And a 14 in charisma. All right. Would you like to roll for the gender? We just do one to two is male, three to four is female, and five to six is non-binary. Sure. And that is a one. All right. We got a male. All right. So a male bugbear that's not very strong, but otherwise pretty good stats overall. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I like that the charisma ended up being 14 with the faceless background and him having to be kind of big. Uh, you know, big energy in the rooms and such. Yeah, I also like that. And the 14 Wisdom is also great for our cleric. Mm-hmm. Should we try to give this bugbear a name so we don't just have to say him or bugbear the whole episode? Yes. Harper, any thoughts? I'm looking at uh, my favorite name generation website, which has fantasy names for pretty much every race that you could think is of. Is it fantasy name generators? Yes. I also love that website with a passion. (laughs) And I kind of like the name Zezor. Ooh, I like it. Sounds good. Z-E-Z-Z-O-R-R. All right. Zezor. Sounds great. And for a bugbear, your strength is increased by two. Oh, there we go. Now we're above ten. (laughs) And dex is increased by one. Okay. So we got to... 17 in dex. Pretty good. So what does Zezor get at first level for being a cleric of the Twilight Domain, Harper? Uh, so Twilight Domain clerics at first level uh, get two domain features. Uh, the first is proficiency with martial weapons and heavy armor. Oh, cool. Great. And the second is called Eyes of Night, uh, which means that you have dark vision with no maximum range. Whoa. And as an action, you can give the benefit of this feature to any number of creatures you can see within 10 feet of you, and the shared benefit lasts for 10 minutes. That is pretty cool. Yeah. And you can do this a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier per long rest. All right. That's cool. So we start out with two of those. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. There's actually a third first level. Oh, go for it. Um, the third first level feature is called Vigilant Blessing. As an action, you can give uh, one creature that you touch, which does include yourself, advantage on their next initiative roll. And there's no maximum time span for this, so you could do it at the beginning of the day, and it just goes away once the person rolls initiative for the first time. Oh, that's pretty cool. And that you said once a day, or is that like a channel divinity feature? Nope, it's just a domain feature, so you can do that as many times as you would like. Oh. It's just you can only have one blessing at a time. Gotcha. Okay. So it's like Blessing of the Trickster for the trickery domain cleric where you can give someone else advantage on stealth for the next like hour and then it's free. Yes. Cool. You also get access to the fairy fire and sleep spells at first level. Ah, those are, you know, those make sense for Twilight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fairy fire is such a great spell. Yeah, I think it's kind of an underrated spell. You know, I'm never playing a class that has access to it, I feel like, because I like to do arcane casters that don't really get it. But 
It's a very good spell. Mm-hmm. All right, Quinn, what else do bugbears get? I know they get long-limbed, so they have an extra reach of five feet on all their weapons. So if you're using a normal weapon, you'll have a 10-foot reach. And if you use a halberd or a glaive or something with reach, then it will actually be 15 feet. Yes. Um, I assume they know goblin and common for their two languages. That is correct. So they've got that long-limbed feature that you just said. They have the 60-foot dark vision, but we get more than that because of our twilight domain. Mm -hmm. Powerful build. You count as one size larger when determining your carrying capacity and the weight you can push, drag, or lift. That's good since our character is not super strong. They can (laughs) still carry a decent amount. Yeah. And sneaky, you get the stealth skill. And surprise attack. If you surprise a creature and hit with an attack on your first turn in combat, the attack deals an extra 2d6 damage to it. You can only use this trait once per combat. Oh, very cool. So it's kind of like sneak attack. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a little free bugbear sneak attack once a combat. The bugbear is just always surprising to see. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I wasn't expecting you. Whoa, you're so large. Yeah, they're also like at least six and a half feet tall, up to like seven and a half feet tall. So Yeah, they're between six and eight feet tall and weigh between 250 and 350 pounds. <laughs> But your size is still medium for some reason. Right. So you're just an NBA player. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense that you're commanding a room at that size. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And especially with the big long arms, yes, he could be. It's like the the Monstars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, Quinn, why don't you maybe try to lead us on what your initial thoughts are for a backstory since you picked Faceless? Yes. Um, I think maybe Unless we Harper should go. Ideas. Do you want to try to pick a feat? I think we should do backstory first. What do you think, Harper? I think it's fun for the backstory and who the character ends up being to inform what feat they take. Sounds good. So the first thing we need to figure out is our faceless persona. Mm-hmm. So they do their adventuring behind the mask of their public persona. So think like... I'm Batman. So you're, you are adventuring as Batman, but secretly you're Bruce Wayne. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a way that we can roll. I like how it says roll a d6, but it has 10 options. <laughs> Typo. Can, yes. Would you like to roll a d10, Harper? Sure thing. And that is a 10. Okay. So it says a disguise with animalistic or monstrous characteristics meant to inspire fear. I mean, that makes some sense to me. <laughs> that's quite interesting for a bugbear. Yeah. I would think that that's almost, instead of taking on a persona that is very different from himself, maybe Zezor is playing up those parts of himself that are more fearsome. Right. Yeah. He could also even be pretending that he isn't a bugbear. Oh, that's interesting. Like, he just is pretending that this animalistic disguise is, oh, I'm just a human in a big bugbear suit. Yeah. Mm. Or, you know, some other race like that. Yeah. And he does play it up and adds maybe he wears some horns or... I was picturing antlers (laughs) because the image of him wearing antlers is funny. (laughs) Extra tall. I do quite like the idea, though, that he's kind of an inverse of what you would typically think of as faceless, where 
he presents his true face as though it is false. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to the usual presenting a false face as though it's your own. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. It also, like, you know, it kind of makes sense if he's in, uh, you know, normal society, maybe not like a monstrous society where bugbears aren't accepted as much, where if he's hanging out with humans and elves and gnomes, then maybe he's now... Like, don't worry, guys. I'm not really a bugbear, but I do look terrifying like one, don't I? Ha ha. Oh, you know what might be quite interesting is that because of who you are, you can't be a hero. Yeah. So the backstory that just popped into my head, and let me know if you like this or not, is that he desperately does not want to be a bugbear. He has internalized hatred toward his own race, Mm -hmm. and so he wants to change his race. And so perhaps he is on a journey to find someone who can perform that kind of magic. And he claims, I was turned into a bugbear and I'm trying to be turned back into my old race. But in reality, he is a bugbear and just wants the change. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I like that. Especially, you know, being a cleric, if he enjoys healing people and protecting people. And maybe the bugbear clan he came from was kind of a little more violent, you know. And he's trying to get away from that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also feel that, like, if you do want to heal people and such, and you look like what a lot of people view as a monster, they aren't going to be as amenable to being helped or healed by you. Right. Which I think he would find very disheartening. True. But it is kind of funny that the faceless option we got was, like, he is really leaning into, I am terrifying, Mm -hmm. but also I'm a nice guy. (laughs) <laughs> so it's just kind of funny that like this idea of it's he wants to inspire fear in his enemies right i mean but he also just wants to be feared i think right a little bit like maybe he's afraid to show his true self so that he's really putting off this persona of i'm scary so don't try to get to know me because i can't be vulnerable because i'm really fragile behind this persona of something yeah. someone terrifying mm-hmm. kind of like beast from beauty and the beast yeah that's not a bad comparison they probably look kind of similar <laughs> yeah beast from beauty and the beast did not wear antlers on his head to my knowledge nobody has horns that's true he does in the live action remake he definitely has horns i don't remember if the original animation does or not yeah i think i he think has he has some. very small they're yeah. like little ram horn style mm. horns or maybe like little devil horns i don't remember yeah, but i do remember horns they're small not quite <laughs> you know the huge antler rack that i'm picturing i mean i don't know if you guys are picturing the same antler rack that i'm picturing but it's huge <laughs> Almost moose like. I wasn't even going that big, but we could go moose like. <laughs> I think he's big enough he could pull it off. That's true. All right, cool. Yeah, and I like that your story there also has a goal for him, and Zezor can kind of try to go out adventuring, and there's a reason to adventure. He wants to find someone that can, you know, turn him back into what he was before he was a bugbear. Mm-hmm. Wink. But. We as the player and the dungeon master will also know that, well, he's always been a bugbear. Yes. I mean, I think you nailed it on the head, Harper. Got it in one. <laughs> I think that I I like coming up with a backstory that gives the DM something to play with. And I think that this backstory would really give the DM the opportunity to say, yeah. okay, what is 
bugbear society like and how does it differ from the normal society in this world yeah and and why does he want to leave it so badly exactly yeah yeah i also love giving fodder to the dm Mm -hmm. yeah just yeah in the character that i play right now i wrote my dm a i think i wrote about 20 total pages single spaced of backstory material (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh and because i know what kind of dm my dm is i left many many different opportunities like loose ends not so much loose ends as like ooh, you could throw a twist in here or here or here sure, sure. yeah um like lots of hooks yeah exactly yeah. i was like i know that that is where my dm has a lot of fun and i was like yeah this is my gift to you as a thank you for being my dm whereas i when i was a dm i was like please just give me something guys give me something to work <laughs> with are you still waiting for Kristen's backstory? <laughs> yep, I never got it. <laughs> she was like, I have one. I just haven't written it. <laughs> I was like, uh, I just want to incorporate it in because <laughs> it makes it a lot of fun. It does. And it really also helps the players engage, I think, when their character is kind of being featured. It's like, ooh, I know this about this thing because of my backstory. You know, yeah. this ties into my story. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, I'm very invested in this arc because we're going to rescue my sister. Sure. Or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as of time of recording, uh, we just learned about the backstories of one of the characters at my home game who's a very private, very secretive character who doesn't really like to let people know where he comes from. Mm-hmm. But his character and my character have built such a rapport over the past several sessions that... Uh, his character finally was like, I owe you an explanation. Here's where I come from. And it opened up like a whole new vein of information for the party, but also like two new side quests for us. And so that's very, I'm very excited to explore it. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I think in my first ever campaign, my DM told me to write a little backstory. And so I gave him one. And then I invited Quinn to like, join the campaign. And she came in. And I found out later that we were the only two that actually wrote backstories. And for the other people, he wrote their backstories. So I was like, well, glad that I could come into this game and, like, you know, have an idea of what I wanted to play. And you helped me do it. But mm-hmm. I think the other players were missing out because it's so much fun to write a backstory. And, you know. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people miss that, you know, the Dungeon Master is really critical for the players having fun, but the Dungeon Master is also playing, so it's important that they should have fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I did make a mistake once, which, I don't know, we might do an episode on this at some point. But, I mean, Harper, you probably won't be there. But, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I once made this really intricate backstory, and I was like, oh, there's this such a good hook for the DM. But I didn't really think about the character. Like, I didn't really give the character much personality. He was oh, just yeah. kind of like, you know, part of this story. But then he didn't have much personality. So I was like, oh, this actually wasn't that fun to play. Even though I wrote this cool backstory. But then it was mainly about, like, his wife had this secret identity. And she got murdered. And then he had to hide his kid away somewhere. And then I was like, all right, so the DM can, like, yeah, you know, I can't even remember this character's name. Tristan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, then once I started playing, I was like, oh, I don't actually know anything about Tristan. I just know that he has this wife with this, like, you know, cool hook for the DM, but there's not much about him. So I made a mistake there. 
but you know it's a place where i can learn to do things better the next time mm-hmm. all right so should we talk a little more about zezor and how they started venturing and maybe a little bit more about how we would build this bugbear society or do we want to leave that to the dm and the player that plays zezor because i assume there's hundreds of people that are going to play zezor yeah they're all glomming lining up <laughs> Uh, I think we could probably leave a lot of that up in the air because, you know, different Mm -hmm. DMs and different tables will run that in different ways. Yeah. But I think that because he is a cleric, it's important to talk about what Zezor's relationship is like with his god. Yeah. How did he come to this faith or this relationship with the god and... You know, how did that develop? So I think that's a good point. Uh, One of the reasons that I picked cleric for class is because I am fascinated by the role that religion plays in Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, we're talking about a world in which not only are there many, many gods, but some of them are very active in the mortal plane. And Mm -hmm. you can go and you can talk to them and they interfere in the lives of mortals and they give them incredible powers sometimes you know exactly yeah and so i just find the question of to what extent you know each character has a relationship with these gods because it's not a question of if god exists it's a question of which god is going to screw up my life Mm -hmm. and so i just find that's an interesting question to ask like all the characters that I roll, even the characters that don't have at all a religious background, I do think about how they react to the gods in the universe that I'm playing in. My thought was, you know, Zezor decides to leave his tribe or clan, whatever bugbear troops are called. Um, so he's walking through the woods and kind of getting tired. Maybe and he-, he was hungry, like he's been traveling for a bit. Yeah, that's what I was and thinking. he hunts this moose. And he's um, feels some sort of presence or whatever, or he's been very hungry, or whatever, and has been having difficulty hunting. And he is praying over this moose. Oh, I have an idea. Okay. All right. So I like that he's wandering through the woods, like trying to find his way, and he's hungry. And the sun is setting, and he hasn't eaten in days, and it's twilight, obviously. And then a moose kind of wanders across his path and like is really close. And he's like, is this moose just going to let me hunt it so that I can eat finally, you know? And that's where he got the antlers. And it's kind of a symbol of his connection to Twilight and this god. Oh, I quite like that. And whether or not the god actually speaks with him is, you know, another story. Yeah, that was what I was thinking exactly. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I also like how Twilight's going to fit into the backstory because Twilight Domain is about transition Mm -hmm. between two times or two spaces. So I think that his goal being to transition from one species to another might be why this god looks down on him and decides to give him favor is because, you know, he is undergoing a massive transition in his life and the god is going to be there for him. I, yeah, also... I just thought about like, oh, this is like a, a parallel for like the trans community in a way too. Right. Like he wants to achieve his true self. Right. And I think through adventuring, he will really be able to find himself whether or not he decides he's a bugbear or he's a human or he thinks he's an elf, you know. And then hopefully he can go through that transition at some point. But, you know, I think it will help him to decide 
maybe not all bugbears are bad or maybe you know I really feel like I'm a gnome on the inside I really want to be a gnome and he sticks with that mm-hmm. I think it is an interesting allegory not just for uh, the trans community but for yeah like gender as a whole but also like many different identities mm-hmm. of just trying to figure out exactly what it is you're experiencing yeah um i mean i know that my process of discovering my own sexuality and the process of you know self-search and research and talking to a bunch of different people i mean i literally did travel for it i went to college Mm -hmm. like there's a sense at least that i have and i know that a lot of other people who don't fit into the nice square boxes of heteronormativity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like there's something that is different about me and i need to figure out what it is yeah and i think that maybe zezor has figured i look like a bugbear and my body is a bugbear but i don't feel like a bugbear so i'd need to go figure out what exactly i am Mm -hmm. right so i think that journey of finding an identity like what is my identity because i don't know yet i just know that i am not this yes yeah and i agree that this really is a good way to connect him with that twilight domain as well where it's like well you you know that's okay that you don't feel like a bugbear you can change and i will help you Mm -hmm. all right so do we still haven't picked a feet though no we have not that's true I was just going to ask about the moose coming through the clearing in the wood. Does he hear a voice? You know, how does he learn this god's name? Or is it a god that he grew up learning about and then he just kind of made the connection himself? Or did the moose talk to him, which would be weird if he had to kill the moose then? Mm. (laughs) It might not be weird if, like, the god is talking through the moose. Mm -hmm. Like, and it doesn't have to be, like, an actual voice thing. It could just be while... Zizor is looking at the moose like he hears like telepathically right something yeah you know and again i mean this is something we can let the people at home decide through their own stories and through whatever campaign setting they have because the gods might be hands-off or they might be very hands-on like if they're hands-on the god might just appear next to the moose and be like hey got you the present Mm -hmm. and if the gods hands off they might just see the moose and make the connection themselves like oh i I read about this god and i know about change in twilight and i think they're speaking to me through this moose i like the idea that i mean i'm kind of thinking about trickster gods in many different cultures and Mm -hmm. Um, specifically, at least in name, the many-faced god or the faceless god from Game of Thrones of a god who is known for changing their appearance constantly and not having a fixed form. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that would be a very interesting take on a god who would bestow the twilight domain on a cleric. Yeah. I think that maybe the time of day that he finds this moose influences the twilight powers, but I like that it's a god who's much more about transition and liminal space. I agree. I think that's a good idea. I also like it. All right. So now I think maybe we're ready to go with the feet. Quinn's been dying to find one. (laughs) Well, I have an idea for one. Okay. I think the actor one is interesting mm-hmm. because, like, the second bullet point says that you have advantage on deception and performance checks when trying to pass yourself off 
as a different person, mm-hmm. which that's like what he's doing. So I think that is interesting. That's true. I have no ideas beyond that. Or <laughs> potentially an inspiring leader. That's interesting. What makes you think inspiring leader? Because I feel like he's going through and he wants to help people achieve whatever they're going for. So I feel like he would be trying to help people. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you want to go into this fight or we have to go into this fight or we're trying to do this thing? Let me inspire you to do that. See, I was uh, thinking he's probably not an inspiring leader just because he's trying to figure himself out and maybe probably doesn't quite have the confidence to instill, you know, that type of inspiration into others is what I was thinking, but I could, I mean... I mean, it's mostly about your resolve to fight. That's true. And maybe he's just so terrifying. Maybe he kind of scares the party members a little bit into, like, we better fight, or (laughs) Cesar is gonna, you know, he's not gonna heal us as much. (laughs) He really needs the effort today. He's kind of like a like a coach on a sports team. He's like, all right, let's see it. Get out there and show me what you got. <laughs> what are you thinking, Harper? Got any feats in mind? I'm looking through the list right now, and I kind of like where we've been going, where he's a bugbear, but not a bugbear in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And so I think it would be very fun if we, and again, this would be entirely up to the DM, But if we allow for, let's say that Zezor has decided what race he really is, what he would like to be transitioned into, Mm -hmm. if a racial feat from another race might be a blessing that his god bestows upon him. Okay. That'd be interesting. Because there are a lot of feats that have a prerequisite of a race. That's, yeah, that's what I was like, oh, there's so many. I was also thinking that for, for the faceless background, you get that extra language. And I was thinking, obviously, if he wants to become an elf, he would pick elvish, you know, or whatever race he thinks that he is, mm-hmm. or like thinks that is the right race for him is the language he would also know. Right. But I agree. I think that that would be very cool if the DM let you do that. If he wants to be a gnome, just because I know this feed off the top of my head. It, like the fadeaway feat where it's only for gnomes and it makes your intelligence a little higher and then lets you turn invisible when you get hit once a day or once a rest. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something like that where it's like, wait, did that bugbear just do a gnome thing? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> kind of an affirmation yeah. from his god. But I do think that would be very dependent upon the DM allowing that. And so maybe for this particular incarnation of Zezor... We don't go with that. Right. I think for sure, if you're trying to play Zezor, go ahead and keep that in mind and talk to the DM about it. But if you want to play this version, we could just go. I think actor's not a bad choice because I agree that trying to pass yourself off as someone else also fits what we've been talking about. I think so, yeah. So we'll go with the vanilla actor (laughs) for our Zezor. But, you know, at home, you can bribe your GM or you know, convince them to let you do one of the racial feats. Yeah, I like that. So, I don't know what else is there to say, Quinn, about Zezor. Got any other thoughts? Or Harper? I, I don't have anything else to add. I, I think he's really cool. Uh, I don't know. I am having the problem that I often have on Chaotic Creations where we make this character and we give him a very interesting backstory and now I just want to play Zezor. Yes, yep. Yeah, I was that thinking that. That is the that. problem that we all have. 
I was thinking that too. I was like, oh man, now I want to play this guy. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on our show today. We have had a lot of fun talking with you and making Zezor. I have one last question for you. Where can people find you? Uh, Sure. So you can uh, hear me every week on Wednesdays on whatever your podcasting platform is uh, on the podcast Chaotic Creations. Uh, you can follow our podcast on Twitter at Chaotic Pod. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I am at Harpersona Games. That's H A R P E R S O N A Games. I talk a lot about Dungeons and Dragons and video games. That's mainly it. <laughs> what else is there? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can find more information about our show at a couple of characterspodcast.com. Have ideas or feedback? Or need help creating your next character? Email us at a couple of characters pod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ACOC Podcast. We'd like to thank John Began for composing our theme music. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, give us a rating on the iTunes store or tell a friend. Either of those will help us out a lot. Yes, and another way to support us is by becoming a patreon donor and you can just search a coc podcast there as well and you can follow me on twitter at alex n winterland and you can find me on twitter and instagram at naughty dr quinn thanks for listening keep on rolling should just leave all these in and then we'll just call this episode oh no there's a car oh Oh, sorry there's a car going behind me nope sorry there's a car oh no there's a car nope there's a car nope car oh no there's a car oh no there's a car oh no there's a car Oh no, there's a car. There had to be one right at the end.